into Triple Zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buckalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com, and the email address, clockersports at gmail.com. Man, it's been so great having so much sports going on right now. I don't know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to handle it once the NBA is actually wrapped up with the finals coming up uh, right around October, the end of October, I believe it was. But um, as it were, we still have a lot going on right now. And this weekend, uh, between the last time we spoke on Thursday night, Friday, depending on when you uh, partook, of the podcast, um, a lot has happened, and so let's get right into it, man, you had the Thursday night game, we talked about that though, the, the Bengals fall, fall into the Browns as Joe Burrow still looks for his first win, but that wasn't the, the you know, the, the highlight, that wasn't the highlight by, by any stretch of the NFL weekend, you had a lot going on, first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to my boy Cam, that's right, killer Cam Newton, now listen, he didn't, uh, they didn't get the win, the the Patriots are one and one on the season, but if that's what you are, are, Solely judging your quarterback wins on the night, you know, I'm sure people are disappointed all the time. Uh, but Cam has looked really adept as a thrower, right? I don't want to say he's looked great, but I think he's thrown a lot better than anybody had anticipated, especially coming to this system um, with the Patriots. Now, I will say that they have used him as a runner a lot more than I think anybody will have, would have expected. Um, he's completing 71% of his passes this season, 552 yards, excuse me, and a touchdown. Uh, but he's also run... Uh, 26 times for 122 yards and four touchdowns that way. So he he's Cam's going at it. Um, I think we were all kind of skeptical to see what would happen if he was forced to become more of a passer than a runner. And against the Seahawks, the Panthers, or I'm sorry, Panthers. Wow, the Patriots did lose that game 30 to 35. Uh, but Cam threw 44 times, and again he he looked really adept as a thrower. And I think that that's part of what people. Uh, we're doubting him for it. Listen, I get it. You haven't seen him in a long time. It's been a while since he was at his MVP level, but I thought I've always thought that the hate that he got was far more uh, than, than what it should have been simply because of the fact that, you know, I think they, they saw how he dressed. I know they saw how he dressed and they saw him celebrating in the end zone and assumed that he's just a diva guy. But every teammate you've ever heard aside from Kelvin Benjamin, who has eaten himself out of the league, uh, has said that he's a team first guy. He meant a lot to the community down there in Carolina. Every one of those touchdowns that he would score, he would give the ball to a, a I mean, beaming. She smiling is not even the word. Beaming ear to ear child in the stands. Um, we could talk about how he dresses, but I don't care. Of course, I'm biased. I told you. Uh, Cam and, and Russell Westbrook are my favorite two players, and both have had their their issues with with effectiveness over the past couple of seasons. So I'm not gonna completely uh, berate anybody for down them. But I just will say, seems like he's opening up some eyes. Of course, this is just early on in the season, and they've only played the Miami Dolphins and the Seattle Seahawks. So it's not like he, I mean, the Seahawks game, they did lose. On a, a last play that was almost a revol- reversal of fortunes, um, the Patriots had the ball down at the one, and they handed it off to Cam. Or handed off. They had a, a quarterback run on a play that I believe the play before had was the same kind of call and got stuffed. But if you remember a few years ago, the Super Bowl, and they talked about it all before the game and all throughout the game, uh, the pass at the one that was intercepted by Malcolm Butler, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, you ended up having it in this way, a uh, little bit of redemption. I, you know, I always laugh when they say that because it's a regular season game. They talk about they can get a little payback for losing in the Super Bowl. Who the hell is getting payback for losing the Super Bowl in week two? I, <laughs> that's always been something that's kind of just throwing me. I'm like, wait, what? This is retribution? This? 
Might have to wait a little bit to get that, brother. But I digress. I'm, I'm, I'm bearing the lead here. The biggest story of the weekend was the injury apocalypse that beset the NFL as names were dropping left to right. And when I say names, that's not disrespecting anybody who was a, a lesser-known player in the NFL. That's just to say that there were some very, very big hitters taken out. And um, no team probably felt it more than the San Francisco 49ers. They lost... They were already without tight end George Kittle with a knee sprain, but they lost uh, their top two running backs in Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman to knee injuries. They lost Jimmy Garoppolo to an ankle injury, though his is supposed to be uh, better. But that wasn't it. They didn't just lose offensive guys. Yeah, it got really ugly. They lost Nick Bosa, stud second-year defensive end, and uh, Solomon Thomas, rotational player. He was the guy, famously, that was taken after Mitchell Trubisky that the Bears were afraid would be Mitchell Trubisky, whatever. I digress. Both of them tore their ACLs as well, so it was bad for the 49ers. They 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 are on life support. They're already without Debo Samuel. Um, they lost Richard Sherman. Like, dude, it is bad, duh, bad, bad. So so much so that they just signed Ziggy Ansah to a one year deal. They're flirting with signing for a couple of times uh, over the the before the start of the season, and so now they have to do something because they're just losing guys left and right. And you just wonder how they're going to make it. But again, they weren't the only ones. Uh, they lost, the Vikings lost linebacker Anthony Barr. Uh, you saw Saquon Barkley get a blown ACL and tore partially his MCL as well uh, facing the Bears. That was about the second quarter, I, I believe it was, that he went down and, and kind of just grabbed at it right away. Um, Christian McCaffrey got hurt, though he's expected to return. Rams rookie running back Cam Akers got hurt. Uh, you just had, it was, it was, it was decimation. It was, it was destruction, chaos everywhere, man. It was one of the, the, the gruesomest, and I'm pretty sure that's not the way you would probably phrase that, but that's what I'm doing now. Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos, it was just bad, and it's really bad because a lot of these guys are on my fantasy team. Now I'm being completely facetious here. They are, but I'm not. That's that's literally the least of the worries. Hopefully these guys can all come back, but it's this is just proof positive, and I, it was like 20-something guys or something like that. It was bad, dude, really bad. Um, This is just proof positive, though, to all those guys, and hopefully to those players as well, you probably need the preseason, right? Remember how uh, I actually wrote about it for Last Word of Pro Football that I thought that fewer preseason games, fewer preseason games would be beneficial to the Chicago Bears and that uh, they wouldn't be able to, you know, have a lot of junk going on. They had to kind of condense. And I kind of feel like they're better when they're forced. And we'll talk about that concept later with this team because it kind of fits to them uh, on a more local level as well. But you just don't know, right? You just you just don't know how how any how are these guys going to bounce back? How do you how do you deal uh, with with all of these guys falling left and right now, if you would have told me that they would have went and had like these, like I said, there's a lot of four to six weeks too, right? I, t- I named you the the big names and the the extended absence guys, but there are a lot of four to six, one to two, two to three, day to day, week to week type injuries that would have been sorted out in the preseason. Um, and I'm, I, I'll address this in a minute, but for my Bears, Robert Quinn was a guy who they paid top dollar for. Uh, he didn't do a lot in training camp, and then he missed the first week. Now, he rotated in week two, and I'll talk about his impact there again later. But the fact of the matter is, with a preseason, I think they would have worked through that. And got, I, I know he was already hurt, and he, but he got hurt in camp, right? It just wouldn't have seemed as bad. I just feel like that is, and I know I'm not, I'm not uh, saying this out without basis. This has been said before. The preseason is needed to get you acclimated to, to the grind. The, the, the physical nature of football, getting hit, hitting someone, quick cuts, you know, all those type of unnatural body motions that you're going to do throughout a season are for the, the preseason when you're not in there the entire game where they ramp you up for, from one quarter to one half, 
Maybe you play a little bit into the second half, depending on what kind of a roster you have. And then, you know, week four, you get that, that rest week. But again, injuries happen then too. It just seems like they have the time to heal because you're, you know, playing other games instead. Now we're just seeing guys left and right get slammed. And it was just an ugly, ugly day for injuries across. The, I'm, this is league-wide, <laughs> league-wide. And it, it's, and this is in addition to all the players who had already opted out for COVID. And I'm, that's probably going to be a tally that I put up for Clarence Sports about just, just the, the people that were lost in 2020 uh, in the NFL to whether it be COVID or the injury so early on. We're only two weeks in. And I'm telling you, they lost about 20 guys in one weekend. Horrible, horrible things to see. Uh, that's not that's not what I would wish for any team. I know it, it ultimately gives the – it's the healthiest team at the end usually, but I, I, that's not something that you ever want to see. Uh, so I don't, I don't wish anybody to ever have to go through – the rehab process and all those things or any teams because I know how, how crappy I'm, I'm a guy who likes to see teams face each other at their top at their peak performance and when it's not that then it's kind of like eh you know I mean I you still enjoy it but it's just not as not the same when everybody's missing like the Niners man it's not that division's speaking of speaking of that division right it's probably up for grabs now and you got Seattle there and I I I, I listen I'll get to that in a second Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray is your MVP, folks. Just get with it. Get used to it. Deal with it. Um, understand it. Embrace it. Don't fight it. Murray put on another dazzling show. Now, I get it. He faced the Washington Redskins, and people are going to want to, you know, disparage the fact that uh, Arizona ended up winning this game against the, a team that's really should be amongst the worst, but they've been a lot better than I think anybody wanted to admit. Um, at least defensively, They're, that defense is stout, and it should be because they've invested a lot of uh, first-round picks in the in the defensive line. But it's still not a great team, so I understand people's hesitation to want to uh, again to to crown them so early. I wouldn't crown them so early if I wasn't convinced myself already, even before seeing a game played. Um, you've seen the connection with him, he and Hopkins. You've seen him put up the gaudy numbers, but I think what you're seeing more of this year is him being a smarter player and the moments. I talked about it last episode about how he broke off that big run. It wasn't necessarily the stats. It was more so the uh, the the moment, the, the him overcoming the situation against San Fran uh, to get eke that victory out. And so when you see him go up against the, the Washington Redskins, right, and they get a uh, – it's not, it's not the most – competitive team i don't want to like it was a it was a 30 to 15 game they had they were winning this handling so i'm not trying to I'm, I'm just trying to see how you had to watch him play it's an awe-inspiring type of play and i think the numbers are still there he, he still had 230 223 yards i'm sorry that's haskins i am jumping the gun he had 286 yards that's why that didn't look right 286 yards a touchdown and an interception for kyler murray he also had eight carries 67 yards and two more tugs on the ground he was second rushing leading rusher on the team with uh behind kenny drake who had 86 yards that's Besides the point, um, Nuke Hopkins, eight catches, 68 yards in a tug. Kyler's going to be your MVP. And you can you can disagree, but you can't change the facts. And, yes, I'm calling it facts right now. <laughs> I know it's way too early to say anything is solidified, but I'm really, really impressed with what I've seen uh, so far from him. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, what not only he can do, but what the Cardinals are going to be able to do again. That division now could be wide open because you have the uh, San Fran is just 
decimated with injuries. And their next couple of games are extremely winnable for the Cardinals. Detroit Lions, um, that's a home game. They go then on a three-game road trip to the Panthers, the Jets, and then the Cowboys. Now listen, and before they end up coming back home to face the Seattle Seahawks and then take on their bye, listen, there is a really, really good chance that the Cardinals are 6-0. and before they face the Seahawks. Like, there's a legit... Detroit, are you, that doesn't work. That shouldn't worry them. Carolina, that shouldn't worry them. They just lost Christian McCaffrey. Detroit has still been without... Uh, has still been without Kenny Galladay. And they can't stop me. Now, you have seen their secondary play a little bit better, but that, that, they, got, they got blown out pretty badly, too, against the Packers this weekend. You got uh, New York, and that's just a dumpster fire. I don't care what you say. And now Dallas. Dallas is the one that's interesting. That one, though, I think is going to end up being a shootout, and that's why it's interesting. It's not because Dallas can stop them. I don't think they can stop them at all, but they can definitely put some points up to hang with them, and that's where they should be worried. But that's their first threat of a game before they face the Seahawks. So they could, let's say they'll go 5-0 uh, and oh because they'll face, they'll, they can beat the next three teams, I think, with uh, one hand behind their back, Lions, Panthers, and Jets. Cowboys, it gets a little tricky because especially on the road, and then you come back to face the Seahawks. They could literally go into their bye week 6-1, and 5-2. and two. Ew. Now, granted, that two might be a two-game losing streak, and that's never what you want. But they come out facing the Dolphins, so like you get a, you can get a get-right game after that. Gets a little tougher second half uh, of the season, but, uh, dude, there's a really good shot that he goes, that the, he and the Cardinals go 6-1 uh, and one and five, or 5-2. Five and two, And if that's the case, and he's putting up these kind of stats, good luck catching them for MVP. Now. I say that, and of course, you know, I'm already biased because uh, Kyler is my pick for MVP. I say that knowing full well that uh, one Russell Carrington Wilson, just learned that that's his middle name, <laughs> is also doing his damn thing right now, and I can't even be mad at it. The man right now is 82% of his passes through two games, mind you. 82% of his passes. He's thrown uh, 63 passes, by the way, in two games. I remember I just told you Joe Burrow last uh, Thursday threw 60 passes. So, Russ is being efficient. He's being extremely accurate. He's got nine touchdowns and one pick. He's only been sacked five times. Remember, this is a guy whose offensive line is trash or has been trash in uh, years past. So, to see him still doing it this way, uh, that's great. He's only run eight times, but he's got 68 yards. I think that's a good improvement for him. He's averaging a hell of a clip. Listen, this was something that I talked about last year with Lamar on that push. Uh, Russ was breathing down Lamar's neck. I think he, you know, Hurts a lot by playing in Seattle, but I can't really use that argument this year because I think Kyler wins it, and he's in Arizona. They're not, you know, I think they're the same time zone unless um, Arizona's in the mountain, and then they get the one-hour difference. Either way, they're both Western teams, and you're not getting as many eyes as you would on an East Coast guy. But this is going to be a tight race, especially if Russ is putting up numbers like that. Damn, nine tugs and one pick? Okay, well then, sir, have yourself a, a, a little bit of a uh, of a season. Uh, he hasn't put in on the ground yet, but he has... Listen, two turnovers total on the season. I, it's going to be tough. Now, what I will say about the Seahawks is that they are a better team and that defense will make more plays, I think, long run than the Cardinals one will. So you might not see Russ, and they have a much better running game. And so you might not see Russ put up those kind of gaudy stats, but the hashtag let Russ cook has turned into something meaningful. And their next few games, they got three before they go on by. 
uh, Dallas, Miami, and Minnesota. They can win all three of those games, hit the bye, come out of their bye, and they, that's when they face Arizona. And then they face that decimated Niners team. So looking at Seattle, there's a good chance they're 5-0 and heading to the bye week. Come out of that 6-0, and maybe. And then who knows what's going on with San Fran by then. But they won't have Bosa or Solomon Thomas. So it won't be the San Francisco 49ers that they're used to. It'll probably have Garoppolo and Kittle back, though. So that'll be a big boost to them. Uh, so it's going to be a tight one. This is going to be a tight one. I'm still pushing for Kyler. I'm still, I still think that he will have to uh, carry that team more than Russ will, even though Russ does everything. That's, that's, that's kind of a, a misnomer because it's not really what's happening, but I definitely think that that's what, it'll be, that's what the perception will be because of how strong that Seattle run game is and how, much, how many more plays I think their defense ends up making. So um, I'm going to push it. Kyler Murray for MVP. That's, what, that's the story. I'm sticking to it. However, <laughs> but... I will say that Russ is is probably leading in, a, in some people's minds, or maybe even a lot of people's minds, and it's going to be a tight race all year. Uh, and other teams, Minnesota Vikings and Philadelphia Eagles are both in trouble, and I'm not even going to spend a lot of time on these trash heaps right now. Minnesota traded Stephon Diggs, and it shows. They had a mass exodus in their secondary, and it shows. They have... Um, they just, like I just told you, lost Anthony Barr for the season. Uh, Dan, Daniel Hunter, I think he's still out as well. After they just got Yannick Ngakwe, it just has to be good. Kirk Cousins was booty cheeks last game. My man had uh, uh, like a 7.4 quarterback rating. Come on, fam. <laughs> That's trash juice. And not just because you hurt my fantasy team without getting big points. Adam Thielen, three catches for 30-some-odd yards. Come on, man. Need y'all to be better than that. The Eagles. The Eagles have been thrashed by injuries. They lost uh, both starting guards. They lost the starting tackle. They've lost uh, running back, or they lost like all their wide receivers. They, it's just been bad. It's just been bad. And even if, as they're getting guys back, Carson Wentz has looked shaky at best. And so you just got to look. They're both zero two right now, or yeah, they're both zero two right now. Vikings lost me money too, by the way. I bet on them to beat uh, Indianapolis. I just didn't think that the Colts could do it, but they did. I thought Minnesota would have the cohesion part of it down to take over that game. They didn't, but. These guys at 0-2, man, in a season that I think a lot of guys are going to be, a lot of teams are going to be fighting through mistakes, misfires, and, and you know, just general uh, choppiness before about midseason, you can't afford to lose this kind of ground because by the time you get it together, all those other teams have probably already got it together and they're, they're two, three, four games ahead of you in the standings and now you're cooked. Now, there are extra playoff spots available this year, but, you know, Minnesota's probably not going to get it. They look like they're going to be third in the division if it wasn't for Detroit. And you know what? They might not be better than Detroit. Shh. Just saying. But Philly, uh, for all of their their strife and stuff, you know that they are a team that can just battle back and not necessarily be without it. They did activate Jalen Hurts this past week, so maybe they're starting to get him more involved. And who knows? I, I don't think we end up seeing a quarterback switch because Carson Wentz hasn't played horrible, but hasn't looked great and I, I you never know he didn't win the Super Bowl so like you never know they did pay him though so <laughs> I don't see them moving on I'm just saying it is interesting that they drafted a quarterback and now they have him there uh, again with Winston's injury, injury history though it's understandable why they would do that anyway just just notable that he is he was up this weekend uh, going back to the West Coast for the Los Angeles Chargers Justin Herbert took over for starter Tyrod Taylor Taylor before the game uh, was experiencing chest pains. Ended up actually having to go to the hospital, uh, and it said it was said that it was in response to a injection that he got for a chest injury that he had. That 
obviously he didn't react well to, so he ended up going to the doctor. What happened was Justin Herbert came in and threw for 311 yards and a touchdown, but he did throw a back-breaking, back-breaking pick. So I'll say this, 66% of his passes, the kid looked fluid, he looked like a natural, and I think that's what led to his interception because he was dealing, he was precise, he was getting Keelan Allen involved. The Chargers' run game has looked really solid this year, especially considering the fact that they don't have that premier passer in the center to threaten the defense like you would think that they would need to open up that box. They've still got a lot of space to run and got two guys to look extremely effective uh, toting the rock. But I think the wheeling and dealing is what led to Herbert throwing across his body off his back foot <laughs> in desperation and getting picked off to seal the deal. Here's the thing. Head coach Anthony Lynn came out and said that once Tyrod Taylor is healthy, he will be the starter. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Now, I will give him this credit. He said once he, if he's 100% healthy, do you know how long this man would be 99.9% healthy if I was the head coach? You got to figure out, listen, it's not Tyrod Taylor. He's not the future. It's Herbert. And the kid shows you, I think, now, I think the kid showed that he's ready to play or he can play in this league. Granted, that was against a team who did not game plan for him without any NFL film on him from previous season to go off of. So take that with a grain of salt, but it will be interesting to see if uh, he ends up, Tyrod, that is, ends up getting Wally pipped by the rookie. Charges against New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft were dropped after the court rules that the cameras violated the patrons' rights to privacy. Now, the cameras were initially installed uh, to basically spy on the on the proprietors of the business, not necessarily the, the patrons. So that's the technicality that his high-priced team of lawyers got uh, <laughs> got favorably ruled or got ruled in favor of, however you want to word that, by the circuit court. And now they're trying to get those tapes destroyed so that there's no leakage further and further damage is done. Um, if you recall, he denied all charges unequivocally, but also le- released an apology. So take that what you will. Listen, old dudes getting tugged on, whatever, dude. <laughs> do what you got to do, fam. That it's, it's weird. It's definitely a weird one. Um, they did say that he could still face uh, possible retribution, possible penalization from the NFL uh, for his transgressions. Now, I, I have unnamed sources who are pretty tapped into the Robert Kraft circle, and the belief, at least from him, from his side when this began, was that this was something done uh, via Roger Goodell. And there were political motivations behind it. And whatever the case may be, it is what it is now. And those charges have been dropped. But just keep that under your hat and keep an eye on the the interactions between Goodell and Kraft uh, going forward. We know that the whole spy gate and all that stuff happened. Uh, deflate gate. <laughs> so there's no love lost. But just keep an eye on their relations and how that tends to work out going forward. Coaches, organizations were all getting hit with mask fines this weekend, and it, they are not, and I mean not cheap. For coaches, it's $100,000 per coach. For the organizations, $250,000. $350,000 for not wearing your mask properly, and there were a lot of notable coaches, too. I guess they're all notable. It's only 32 of them, and you know who they are. Um, Pete Carroll, Kyle Shanahan, Vic Fangio tonight. On uh, Monday Night Football, John Gruden was walking around. Bill Belichick was walking around looking like the uh, the plague doctor. <laughs> it's just, it's it's not a good look. And I mean, you got guys pulling the mask down to talk. And, and you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure why they don't all just go the Andy Reid route and get that face shield. After he had that initial night of the fog, it's been pretty crystal clear. I don't know what they sprayed on it to keep it from mist or from, from clouding on them. But kudos to the chief uh, staff, equipment staff there for making sure that, that old Red could see throughout the entire game and not just be, be, you know, coaching through the fog. 
The Atlanta Falcons became the first team since 1933 to lose a game while winning, or while, I'm sorry, to lose a game after scoring 39 plus points and having zero turnovers. Teams in that situation were previously 440 and 0. That per Elias Sports Bureau, ill. <laughs> that's that's not something anybody should ever want to be associated with, man. That is just bad. Ew, dude. Come on, now I got to be more careful. My beloved Chicago Bears got a victory against the New York Giants, a beat up New York Giants team uh, that really just got beat up during this game because they came in with all five of their offensive weapons intact and left with three. Because you lost Saquon Barkley, as I mentioned earlier, with that torn ACL, partially torn MCL. Speedy recovery to him. Hopefully they upgrade that offensive line so he can actually run the ball. Uh, they also lost Sterling Shepard. And they'll see how uh, he can bounce back. It was to a turf toe. And it looked, you know, you could see it when it happened. His foot got extended a little bit extra. The big takeaway for me in this, and I'm done talking about the Giants, but this is go back to the Bears. Um... This was a game that showed some progress. I'm not going to act like I'm impressed because this is not a good team that they beat. But they did win. And what we did see from them was for a half, they looked like a dominant football team over the lesser opponent. Why is that significant if it's a bad opponent? Because against another bad opponent in week one, one that they've historically done well against, the Detroit Lions, they could only muster one quarter, and it was the fourth quarter, and it was desperation time. So in this game, they're up to a half. If we're working without a preseason, again, I told you, I thought that fewer preseason games could help. I thought no was a bit much, obviously, for everybody. But since it's everyone affected by it, it seems like it's leveled the playing field and the Bears might be ahead of the curve in that they haven't really changed much about their team this offseason, offensively at least. So now the offense can kind of come in humming a little bit. And we've seen that. What we saw, especially from uh, Mitchell Trubisky, was encouraging. He was the highest-graded offensive player in week two in the Bears Sorry, let's try that again. Mitchell Trubisky was the Bears' highest-graded offensive player in Week 2 with an 80.2 grade per PFF pro football focus. Now, I'll say this. He was dealing for a good half of that game. Second half came around, and he tried to get Allen Robinson more involved and forced a couple of passes he shouldn't have that got picked off. One was deflected and high, and uh, Robinson couldn't bring it. He got his hands up. It was too much. Um, and then they're going to get picked off. The second one was one that was on the sideline and thrown, and the defender, just Jinx Bradbury, ripped the ball out of Robinson's hands. Now, in the moment, I was critical of Robinson, and I, I still hold this belief somewhat that I would like to see him rip that ball away, but I must concede he makes that play nine, eight, nine times out of ten, so I can't really be mad. And, of course, Bradbury's underrated i think as a corner in this league especially at 14 uh, he, he was, he's a solid guy he's not gonna it's not a, a world beater but he's a strong physical corner and you saw that on that play um it was notable that robinson had the off game because of his contract discussions but i think that's okay because of the fact that you, you're not gonna kill it every week and it allowed other guys to step up namely darnell mooney in the receiving core the young man caught his first touchdown and looked spry and looked like a weapon. He he looked like he looked like the weapon we thought Anthony Miller would be. A guy who's been a part-time player who seems to be locked into their slot role, who might have even been passed up by Mooney at this point, um, in terms of, of playing on the outside. That's kind of sad because Miller is a guy who profiles as maybe the most talented guy um coming into the year, most talented guy uh in the group. But he seems to have been passed up. And you see why. He's a, there's a lot of route running errors. Uh, Mitch laid out a nice pass for him into the end zone that would have probably, that would have salted the game away, put it out of reach for him. And 
he just couldn't bring it on. Granted, he had to die for it, but it was, I mean, this is this is in the hands. And this is this is not his first time doing this this year. Um, so there's there's a, a problem there. Concentration. That's a concentration issue. That's not a talent issue. That's not a connection issue. That's concentration. That's thinking about something before you finish this current task. That's a turn in the run before you can secure the ball type of deal. And so I think he'll get it, but you can only say that for so long. And so my big takeaway from this game was they played well. They've upped their, their performance to a full half of good football. I wrote that for last run in pro football. Be sure to check that one out. But it's not enough. And with this gauntlet, they got Atlanta this week, and it, it gets rough. It gets really rough. They got five playoff teams, I think, from 2019 on their on the schedule coming up. There's no time for one quarter, one half. You need you need at least three and probably four full quarters. I'm just, you know, spitballing here. You're probably going to need the full 60 minutes to pull out a lot of these victories on, on the upcoming slate here. So some of the encouraging things, though, were – the early play by the defense, um, they were very active, very feisty. You saw Robert Quinn come in and get a strip sack right away. That if he's healthy, all the trash that was talked about him for missing and being, you know, overpaid and all, wayside, just gone. Because all anybody wants is to see Mac have a, a, a competent compliment and maybe a guy who can put up the numbers if they're still going to dedicate all their focus to Khalil Mack, who, by the way, also had a sack along with Marquise Mingo and Akeem Hicks. But again, the star of the show, to me, aside from Trubisky's early decision-making after Nagy got... See, that's another thing. Before I talk about my, my, my big star, Nagy can't keep pulling the ball out of Trubisky's hand when he makes a mistake. That's how why he is the way he is now. I really am starting to believe that the the time under John Fox and the, the telling the kid to keep it so tight, and even last his first season with Nagy where they tried to play it so, so close to the vest might have damaged some of the psyche. You need your quarterback to be confident, if not cocky, and you don't see a lot of that swagger with Mitch, but when he's dealing, he's dealing. And so I feel like when they first took that the ball out of his hands, it threw the doubt in there, Then he did it again. But again, neither pick was, the first pick was bad. You got to get that ball down, and you don't like to see that pass forced across the middle where there's multiple hands going to be flying across. But that one on the sideline, that's a 50-50 ball, man. You got to live with that, so... I don't, I don't, I get why you want to take the ball because we see him start getting shaky, but I also think that would have been a great time to call up a strike for him to get himself back in the groove because we see when he's, when he's not thinking about it, when he's not in his own head, he can actually play, but we don't see that far enough. We don't see that often enough. And that's why uh, you see so many people who are out on him already, despite it only being his fourth year. So uh, we'll see what that, what ends up happening for him, but it, it, it was a good, it's a good start for Trubisky. Bears are 2-0, first time since 2013, I believe it was. So, they, you know, long time coming. But they got so it's got so much tougher on the way. They have to do better. And that's all. That's all it really is. It's not that they can't that they can't celebrate this win. They should. You got to celebrate every win. But as this going is about to get tougher, we'll, I'd, I'd be interested to see how well they are able to uh, maintain whatever it is that they're trying to, to build. If they're going to keep running... David Montgomery is, has been committed to. He avoided two serious injuries in back-to-back weeks, a groin injury, and then he fell on his head against the Giants. Like, they say it was neck, but that was a compaction. Like, it, it hurt me. I needed the Tylenol. He fell dead on his head and his neck, uh, went to the locker room, but ended up coming back out and, and even had a drive where they, they ran, I think, 7 of 12 times, 7 of 12 plays. So kudos to him. Kudos to Matt Nagy for figuring out the balance. Their Bears are the heaviest, run-heaviest team in – uh, neutral 
game situations. That's great. That is, that's great. Keep it up. Commit to that running game. Limit the exposure to your quarterback who's still seeming to fill his way out, but have some more faith in him when you see that he's out there getting a groove. If he loses it a little bit, give him another shot. If he fit, if he Fs that one up, then you can take the ball on the way. But don't don't cut him out at the knees because I think that he was building something there and it, it didn't seem beneficial to uh, take him down the way that it was. So let's switch gears over to the NBA and talk about it, man. Some things I have to go over. First and foremost, uh, let's talk about what happened in China. Ty Lawson, former point guard, uh, Denver Nuggets. I forget where else, but I know he was with the Nuggets. Ty Lawson banned from the Chinese Basketball Association, the CBA, for posting pictures saying that the women over there had the cakes and that he might have to switch it up. <laughs> and he posted a picture of himself in the strip club getting juked on. Uh, some people will call this an overreaction by the Chinese government, but if you know anything about the Chinese government, you know this is probably an underreaction. This is more than likely his warning shot, and I hope Mr. Lawson is on his way back already, if not already on American soil. Because it doesn't usually end well for people who openly criticize or speak out. Now, this was a criticism, which is probably why he got the warning. But to be banned for saying they got the cakes, <laughs> that's a compliment. I don't know if they know that. Maybe they don't know. Maybe he should have had somebody translate it. Because <laughs> they need to know. Um, Jimmy Butler, we've been talking about him a lot in the Miami Heat. They actually have a game, a Tuesday night game four against the Baltimore Celtics after the Celtics ended up uh, winning game three to break that series two and one. But Jimmy Butler has been in the news because he's been uh, criticized prior to this season for being too harsh, too un, un, not a good teammate, and having, you know, just being a bad teammate. Well, the Bulls lad made the playoffs with Jimmy Butler in 2017. The Timberwolves last made the playoffs in 2018 with Jimmy Butler. The 76ers' best playoff run of the decade came in 2019 with Jimmy Butler. Miami is in the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2014 with Jimmy Butler. I said this a couple of episodes ago. Maybe Jimmy was right. Like, it, it could be. You saw Joel was longing for that, for, for you know, was talking back and forth. He knows he can go to, to be appreciated. And some guys respond well to that. We've seen a lot of guys don't. I think what hurt him in Chicago was that there was still an affinity for Derrick Rose, and Jimmy felt like he was the best player on the team at that point, and that just wasn't going to work, and the Bulls chose the healthier, younger Butler. Um, still would have been nice to see them both play for an extended period of time. Um, with Minnesota, those guys, I, listen, if, if if you don't know now that there was something missing from those two, from Andrew Wiggins and, and Carlton Towns, then I don't know what to tell you. Um the Sixers, like I just told you, Joel is still long. And then Miami, a bunch of ragtag, undrafted, and uh, you know, mid-round, late-round, second-round picks coming together to reach the Eastern Conference Finals and lead it 2-1 to one, uh, against a Boston team that many said was the odds-on favorite to make it. Now, I still think this will go a longer distance. I do have the Heat coming out of the East, uh, but it, this, is, this series is far from over. I think Boston wins game four, and then we start getting that 1-1-1, and we see what happens after that, but... Uh, Jimmy's impact has been nothing out. But now, granted, last game, he was passive, far too passive, and you can't have that. I know he's spoken on on not having to go out there and be the do-it-all scorer, but they needed it. And I think he 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 kind of let that part get, uh, like that, let that get in the way of going out there and being the dominant player that he can be. He definitely can. He does it, he does it all. There's not a thing that Jimmy can't do. So to see him have a lackluster stat line and to see him lose – is highly disappointing. So hopefully, and he got benched. Eric Spolster, Eric Spolster benched him down the stretch. 
I think that was the message. So I think you come out. Maybe, you know what? I'm going to change that pick. Miami's going to come out there and do their damn thing because I think Jimmy's going to come out pissed off that he got benched from Spo at the end of that game that they were losing and they lost. So, yeah, that's my bold one. I don't know if I'm going to lay any money on it, <laughs> but I'm going to go out on the limb and say that uh, Miami wins game four, takes a 3-1, commanding a 3-1 lead over the Boston Celtics. Um, so the recently defeated, eliminated from the postseason, Los Angeles Clippers are still in the news. Paul George tried to give an exit speech, basically, to his teammates in the locker room after their Game 7 loss, and it was met with eye rolls and bewilderment. Now listen, if you read it, it, it didn't sound like he said anything crazy. He just said, hey, everybody just stay focused and try to come back for another playoff run and blah, 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 but they wasn't feeling it, and it's, listen, I get it, but I don't get it. So the 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 articles are all saying that they were, they were kind of, you know, Stuck because of how he performed in the playoffs. 20 points per game this year, uh, 39%, 30, almost 40% field goal percentage, but it was under, was his worst since 2016, back when he was in Indiana. Um, he had 10 points, uh, and he ended, I'm sorry, ended round two against the Nuggets with 10 points, 25% from the floor, and 18% from three in game seven. So he went out like a screw-up. And so that's where the animosity comes from, but I don't think it's warranted per se. I think... If it's not just him saving his own bacon, because we all saw that picture of Kawhi giving him the LeBron look like he about to get traded, um, I think it really is a good sign that he is trying to say, look, y'all, we're going to come back, we're going to do it again. It's not the end. Don't hang your head. Now, granted, they do have a lot of guys who won't be back, and they don't have any cap space. So I'll be really interested to see how they work it out. Rumor has it they've been, um, they are interested in Derrick Rose. That'd be cool. I don't know how they're going to afford it, but I don't think he's going to want a lot of money anyway. They're going to have to move some pieces around because they don't own, I, I read their next first round pick, is currently playing in the sixth grade. Damn. Trez is gone. I, you know what? I Listen, truth be told, I like Montrez Harrell, but I don't think that that's going to be a big loss. I think that counting on two guys for their bench scoring like that was maybe a hindrance for them. But also, I don't necessarily know if Montrez's value was on full display against the Nuggets. He didn't have the size to stop Jokic. He didn't have the scoring ability to, to negate him. And oftentimes, it just seemed like he was flailing uselessly. Now, that's not to say he's a bad player. I think he's a really good player. I just don't know if it'll fit with that situation. I think that they needed more rim protection, uh, more of a big, and that's why you saw more Zubox than I think many people might have expected um, so so soon in the playoffs, so often in the playoffs. But yeah, that did look. PG, my man, shut up. Just go to the house and go fishing, bro. Let it go. Um, I know he was probably saying it like all proud of himself, like, yeah, I'm going to rally the troops. And they just looked at him like, man, if you don't shut your ass up, <laughs> 10 points. Now, granted, Kawhi did it too. So he he didn't have a good game either uh, in Game Seven, but yeah, PG you had too many. He picked it up second round. First round was awful. Second round was better. Still wasn't great. And that's what you get. You get the side eyes and you get people saying stuff. We'll see. I'm sure there'll be more and more fallout as this uh, as their offseason continues because we already heard how there was locker room turmoil and Doc didn't believe they had this conditioning and bleh, who cares? Excuses. This, though, is hilarious. <laughs> Flat out hilarious. Sticking in L.A. Before we talk about the game, I have to tell you, leave Bronny alone. If you don't know, now you know. LeBron James Jr., Bronny, was, posted a video of himself on IG smoking smoking weed. My man was getting blowed. <laughs> Bronny was blowing back on video, posted, I mean, puffing. He, you know, camera up. Now, I... They tried to play off, oh, he accidentally posted it, and blah, blah. Ain't nobody buying that, fam. He was looking dead in the camera while smoking. 
So it's not like he didn't know. I, I don't buy that one bit. Now, if you know, LeBron and, and the, the Lakers have been down uh, in Orlando for quite some time now. And LeBron's response was posting a video of himself playing a harmonica looking for peace. <laughs> he want to wring that boy's neck so bad. And Bronny out here wilding because he knows his daddy gone. <laughs> it's a wild situation, boy. But I think we're about to hear that ass whooping from here until next year when they finally get back home. <laughs> I do not. I, look, that that's not going to be good. Well, he's rich, so he probably just, like, brought him from the Lambo or something, right? Ain't that what rich people do? I have no idea. I'm a poor person, so <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, man, look, leave him alone. The kid is 16, 17. He's a young, he's a kid. He's a kid. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying quit with the with the mouth drop. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I can't believe Bronny is out here smoking. Yes, you can. It happened. It's not going to be the last time that a, a famous person's child smokes weed. Whatever. Get over it. Gramps. Um, but the the Lakers did play a game, and they did take a 2-0 lead that really feels like a much larger disparity than that against the Denver Nuggets um, after Anthony Davis hit a buzzer beater with two seconds left on the clock on an inbounds play that has caused a lot of controversies. Let's talk about that. Um, you had LeBron speaking on MVP votes. He got 16. Giannis was the back-to-back MVP. And LeBron tweeted out 16 votes. Okay, I got y'all. And then when asked if I said it had him pissed off because it's at the third. Now, if you recall, and I know you do because you follow like you're supposed to, we've been talking about the back and forth between LeBron being the MVP and AD being the MVP uh, all season, all season long. AD had the higher counting stats, everybody says, so he should be the, the MVP of the team. Meanwhile, when you look at it, Brown wasn't that far behind, and you're still getting the added assists and probably a lot of those two AD. And we've seen what happens when Brian was sitting. This is before Rajon Rondo came back, mind you. And the conclusion was, while I personally would probably have said LeBron was the MVP of this two-team, I'm not giving it to him on the season because his teammate has a legitimate case. And you can say that that should take away, but it definitely don't help. And so anybody that wants to compare the, the talent around LeBron to the talent around Giannis, have at it. Because if you're trying to tell me that Chris Middleton is anywhere close to Anthony Davis, you're smoking rocks. And I don't think we can have any more discussions after that. Because that's not true. <laughs> so, get over it. And the, the play, listen, the play that's got everybody talking about him being a real MVP and showing his true value, I'm torn. I'm really torn. So, what happened was on an inbound play after the timeout, after a block by Jamal, Moore, Jamal Murray, the uh, Lakers are inbounding. And you have... Jeremy Grant sticking LeBron. He motions over to Miles Plumlee to come over and guard LeBron once the ball is inbounded. And so he does. But Grant never, when he does that, Anthony Davis rotates out to the to the corner right by LeBron. And so it's the same direction that Plumlee would have to go to get to LeBron. When he rotates, I'm not sure if Grant doesn't see it happen or what, but he doesn't move. And LeBron just stands there. So now you got people counting... <clears throat> Now you got people talking about the LeBron do this on purpose was, you know, he was just standing. He didn't even try to get the last shot. He didn't even, he, he didn't even move. Then you got the other side. Well, he stood there and he sat there and, and, and set a pick. Listen, I'm, I'm, I am genuinely of the second school of thought that he stood there setting a pick and waited for Grant to rotate out, but he just never did. I think that might even call LeBron off right now. AD in the postgame said that the play was originally drawn up for LeBron. But that he he welcomes these kind of moments and this that and the third. We know LeBron needs the closer. That's not I don't even 
Kalta doesn't knock anymore. It's just that's he knows what his abilities are. His ability is to set up his teammates and his set up his teammates for that type of play. Well, this might just be one more example. You could say he just stood there still, but it's it's unusually still, right? Even for a play we've seen him stand around, he seems to be standing with a stiffness and a it's weird. He's standing still with a purpose. That <laughs> doesn't make much sense. But when you watch it in live, it seems like he is trying to be in between that. Now, honestly, I just don't know what the hell was going on with Jeremy Grant. Um, you see Joker try to run into the into the shot and 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 deflect it or block it, but he's not going to get there. I just don't know what Grant was doing. Jeremy Grant, I think, is the one who screwed this up. Now, you could say Plumlee should have bailed on the screen and tried to get out to AD, but I think he thought once Grant motioned him over that that meant to go ahead and and come block come guard LeBron while Grant switches. Grant never switched. Bron and Rondo made eye contact, and that's where I think the switch happened, where Bron, see, you're talking about two of the highest basketball intellects in the NBA, might be two, the two highest, and I'm not even being sarcastic in this situation. These two sharing an eye look could have literally been them shifting the play over to AD. Bron could have gave him that face like, nah, fam, and I, I, listen, I'm, I know it sounds ridiculous, and I, but if you know me, you know I'm far from a Bron apologist. So I, I literally think that this could have been uh, him setting up, needless to say, Neither one of them should be the MVP of the NBA because they have each other. Enjoy enjoy this ring that y'all about to get and leave uh, Giannis out of this. I will say this, though. As I sat here and critiqued Brown for speaking on it, I really do think he did it as a distractionary tactic to keep the conversation light and fun and ridiculous around the team as they are approaching their next ring. They're going to get it. I'm not even... There's not even a doubt in my mind they're going to get it. So, just just... Hold off on the MVP talk. Enjoy the ring. Let let it happen. And and know LeBron is still the best player on this team. Had to slip that in there. AD, I love you, brother. Chicago's own. LeBron still stirs that drink. So that just is what it is. Sticking with some Chicago news, uh, The Last Dance wins an Emmy for Outstanding Documentary. So congrats to Michael Jordan and director Jason Hare. Uh, on their outstanding accomplishment for their outstanding documentary documentary that I think we all enjoy. Hell, it got me on the radio for a couple of weeks, so I'm not complaining. It was a, a fun thing to see. Um, some other news, and we'll come back to the Bulls in a second, uh, more MJ stuff, but come back to that in a second. Kevin Durant, and this is from Steve Nash, his new head coach with the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant with his length is a matchup problem for everyone. Kevin can play all five positions, and I plan to use him in all five positions. That's probably one of the least bold takes from a head coach, a new head coach I've ever heard in my life. He's right on every single one of those things. Every single one. Now, after the Achilles, you probably don't want him bringing the ball up, but he can handle it. He can set the play. Um, there's no, there's not many real centers in the NBA right now, so you can put him at the five. Why not? He's got the length for some of these small dudes. He can handle that. That's a that's not a bold statement. It's a very it's a wise statement. Damn it, you better. Yeah, you better get the most out of him. We'll see. I can't wait to see how that team looks because, whoo, the firepower there between he and Kyrie alone is nasty. But then you got uh, Spencer Dinwiddie still, Karis LeVert, and we'll see how all this shakes out. But, um, yeah, it, that, that could be something serious, man. Um, half man, half amazing. Living legend Vince Carter has signed a multi-year deal with ESPN to serve as an NBA and college basketball analyst. Salute, sir. Right on time. Not a better person it could have happened to when he got all of them. He knows 
the coach, I, there's, there's, he's been around for forever. He's been around for forever. I love it. Love it. Um, back to Milwaukee. We talked about this last week a little bit that the uh, Bucks had sat down with Giannis and promised to spend some money into the luxury tax to give him some more help. Well, one of the names that's come out, we talked about Chris Paul. They're now talking about Russell Westbrook. And all I have to say is, <laughs> no, don't do that. I just told you, Russ is my favorite player, but this is a horrible fit, a horrible idea. Go get Derrick Rose. That would be great. That would be a much better fit for this. And it would be close to home. I think he would like it. He would, he would put on because he's so close to the shy. I, the rustic, that contract, he's trying to add that money? I don't get it. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't even fit. That's the problem. I still think Russ would be better off with a team built of shooters around him, but you definitely don't want to put him with Giannis. That fourth quarter decision-making is going to be atrocious. Period. Just bad. And then we'll wrap up with this one. A shout-out to the GOAT. Another shout-out to the GOAT. Um, Michael Jordan is starting a NASCAR team with Denny Hamlin and his first driver, Bubba Wallace. Congrats, salute, and hopefully much success, much continued success. Um, but, yeah, that's dope, man. Uh, you know, Bubba was in the news after the news was found in his uh, in his garage earlier on this year. And the FBI got involved, determined it wasn't anything uh, nefarious. But that uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, they also said he had nothing to do with it. A lot of people didn't get that part of the memo. They just heard that it wasn't nefarious and whatever that got real fast. But I think the most important part of this is Michael Jordan's got to raise the team. He's trying to win in another avenue, man. That dude is something else. Congrats to the GOAT, man. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Joshie Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. Website, ClockerSports.com. Email address is ClockerSports at gmail.com. And, of course, read all of the stuff. Uh, last word on pro football, pivot in easy, and uh, ClockerSports.com. And, of course, American Bank. Check me out next week. Tune in. We'll talk then. Thank <laughs> you.